Hey folks, hope all is well with everyone. This is Pamela Fisher here, and I have been closed up in my office for quite some time doing end-of-the-year culture assessment reports for clients. And in reading through the management interviews, something that keeps coming up and over and over again is a statement by managers that they just don't understand why their employees won't buy into safety. And I'm getting a little frustrated with that one. And so I thought, you know what, that's going to be our topic today. So let's talk about why employee buy-in is BS. So again, the statements I keep reading is that I just don't understand why my employees won't buy into safety. And I realize that management's truly puzzled by what they perceive as worker resistance to safety initiatives. But the rationale behind that question is problematic. Are we saying that workers want to get hurt and they don't care about keeping themselves safe from harm? Seriously? Well, in some cases, yes. I've actually heard supervisors, managers, and safety people say they believe that some of their workers want to get hurt. Well, if you think you've got workers who are likely to cause self-harm, then why are they still working for you? If this is the case, you do not have a safety problem. You have a hiring problem. The actual premise that you have workers wanting to cut off a body part to collect workers' compensation is pretty strange. This premise, however, is based upon the bad apple theory. The bad apple theory is the belief that management and our systems are fine, but the problem is the employees. Sidney Decker refers to this as thinking that our complex systems would be fine were it not for the erratic behavior of some unreliable people or bad apples, in it. This discounts the role of management in the enabling of at-risk behaviors. It's just another way of placing blame on the workers. What we need to remember is that at-risk behavior is simply a view of our system seen through the mirror of worker behavior. Workers are a reflection of that system. The amount of risk-taking is directly proportional to the culture, and most especially to leadership in the organization. That premise is also based upon a lack of knowledge of risk tolerance, or why ordinary people take risks. It is normal for humans to take risks. Your best workers are your highest risk-takers. Workers are taking risks and shortcuts in your workplace every day. If all goes well, the worker gets praised, making it more likely that they will take the same risk or even more risk the next time around. We only become aware of this when an event occurs. Then and only then do we say, aha, uh -huh, bad worker, get rid of this one and all will be well. One question to ask is how long would it take to find another worker doing the same behavior that triggered the event? If the answer is not long, then the problem is not the worker. Think about this. When was the last time you did something risky? Have you talked on a cell phone while driving? Have you looked at your phone to read a text? How about texting while driving? While all of these behaviors are risky, some more than others. If you have done any of these behaviors and no adverse event occurred, how likely are you to do it again? But if an accident results from your behavior, does that mean you are a bad person? Did you mean to cause harm or death to another driver? or yourself, if you knew what the outcome would be, you wouldn't have done it. Another version of this that I have heard is that workers don't care if they get hurt or don't care about safety. 
Again, this is pretty amazing to think you have workers who are just fine with experiencing pain and being maimed in the workplace. People inherently care about their own safety and their own well-being. Asking people to care more is not a strategy. The reality is if workers knew their actions would result in injury, they would not have done what they did. But they don't know that something bad will happen because they have probably done this many times before and nothing bad ever happened to them. Another reason workers do not buy-in is because they have seen safety programs and initiatives come and go with no real change occurring. This is especially true when the programs are created by safety people without benefit of worker input and, most importantly, no buy-in by supervision to those programs. Workers almost always reflect what they think their immediate supervisor is supporting or wanting. So if employees are not on board, maybe leadership has something to do with it. The question about buy-in also reflects the over-focus on the worker rather than on the system. In the bad apple theory, or what we call the old view, we assume our workers are broken or deficient and we need to fix them. In the new view, we assume workers' decisions and actions made sense to them at the time given the circumstances that surrounded them. Remember that at-risk behavior is a symptom of trouble deeper inside our system. To explain failure, do not try to find where people went wrong. Instead, find out where our system went wrong. We need to move our focus to the system rather than the worker. If you change the system, you change the worker. We need to change our thinking from who failed to what failed. Let's talk a little bit more about the impact of leadership on behavior. Let's say we have a new initiative that says A-frame ladders are no longer acceptable and all work must be done from a podium ladder or a scaffold. I bring this up because I've got a lot of clients uh, with this initiative these days. Now, the worker's been told about the new ladder initiative in a safety meeting. Then Monday morning, they're assigned a task, and the message from the immediate supervisor is, we need to get this done today. Has the task been reviewed or a JSA or pre-work meeting held? Do we have the podium ladder readily available in the workplace? Or can the work area actually be reached with a podium ladder? If the answer is no... What is the worker likely to do? Answer to that question lies with a worker's perception of what he or she thinks is most important to their supervisor. Have there been times in the past that the supervisor was willing to take a blind eye to some shortcuts or risky behavior by the worker to get the task done? Does the worker perceive the supervisor is feeling pressure from above to get it done no matter what? If our system is functioning well, the supervisor would have assessed the work to determine the safe way to accomplish the task and would have also understood the potential for workers to take shortcuts. The supervisor would have known the task could not be completed with a desired podium ladder or that the ladder was not readily available. The supervisor would have clearly communicated not only the task that needs to be done, but also the acceptable means and methods to accomplish the task. If not, workers will figure it out. Too many times we give workers instructions on what to do without talking about means and methods. Sometimes after an event, the supervisor is surprised that a worker made a decision to do something risky without understanding that he or she influenced that decision by what was said or not said before the work was performed. If we are not clear regarding processes and safety expectations, 
workers will assume based on what they think the supervisor wants. In hindsight, after an event, we may look at the totality of the communications received by the worker and realize the majority of those messages were production-related, stressing the need and the urgency to accomplish the task in a given time frame. So now the event has occurred, a worker is injured, and management says, why won't these workers just buy into safety? Well, they did buy in. They bought into the idea that safety people have a new rule or a policy, but supervisors are under pressure to produce. In this scenario, the supervisor wins every time, and workers will choose to please their supervisor way before they concern themselves with what the safety department want. Another example of this also involved ladders. This is from an incident described to me many years ago, where in a plant environment, a ladder was needed to do maintenance activities above some plant equipment. The process of getting access to the ladder, or the system, was that the worker had to walk a long distance outside the building to another building, climb a set of stairs to a supervisor's office, get a key to unlock the ladders, unlock the ladders, return the key, and then carry the ladder back to the workplace. After performing the task, the worker would have to carry the ladder back, get the key, lock it up, go back up the stairs and return the key. That's quite a system there. During the day, large amount of supervision and safety staff meant the risk of being caught not using the ladder and instead climbing on the equipment wasn't worth it. So they would follow the procedure no matter how much of a pain in the neck it was. All of this worked fine until night shift. We all know night shift. On nights, crews were short-staffed, making it more difficult to take time to get the ladder. There was also the problem of walking a long distance outside the building in a bad neighborhood with poor lighting and inclement weather to reach the warehouse area where the ladders were kept. So given that at-risk behavior is normal behavior, and given that the system made it harder to do it the safe way, the likelihood of risky behavior can be expected. And that's exactly what happened. Many times on night shift, decision was made to simply climb up on the equipment without means of fall protection until the day came when a worker fell and was seriously injured. We got exactly what our system created, nothing more. Instead of focusing on the worker, what should we have done? Most importantly, we need to talk to the workers. Have a culture that's supportive of workers telling us things we don't always want to hear. What are the odds that some worker complained how hard it was to get a ladder at some point before the accident. The question is, what was the response of management and supervision anytime they did complain about something? Workers are more than willing to buy into a system that makes their work easier and more efficient, where their opinions are heard, and where going the extra mile is likely to result in positive feedback for a job well done. If your workers are not buying what you're selling, look harder at the system, not the worker. So that's it for today. Love to hear what you think about this and stay tuned for another episode.